Well, it's a little bit of a different setup today. So the restream is currently being occupied and, you know, due to time stuff, you know, we wanted to just get this out of the way, but, you know, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic has joined the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Jesse, first off, man, uh, how you doing today? Uh, hanging in there. I'm tired. Um, other than that, you know, like in a perpetual state of being tired as a dad, but like, yeah, everybody's good hanging in there. Otherwise, uh, just trying to survive this disgusting winter weather. Yeah, I see you all. It looks like you're getting some snow up there again, or maybe that's Ohio or something. But it's the whole belt. Yeah, it's getting uh, projected today for three quarters of an inch of ice. Uh, that's what we call hashtag not good, as they say on social media. That's correct. Down here at 60 degrees today in Richmond. So um, beautiful. You go to the beach for this, but yeah, getting a lot of snow this winter as well, which is kind of weird because you don't see a lot of that when you're an hour and a half from the beach. So um, obviously, you know, we are here to talk penguins. Jesse, the first half of the season just wrapped up. Penguins are currently just a couple points out of second place. They're right behind the Carolina hurricanes for first Um, on a four game losing streak though. I just want to get your thoughts on that. You know, when you look at these four games as a whole, um, are you concerned about anything really with the team or is it just, you know, kind of like a bad slump? Because that's where I think I'm at. Um, it's hard, I think, to wake up for some games against, you know, maybe Seattle or Detroit when you're 16 points up on them for the ninth place um, team in the conference. Just, you know, what, what are your overall thoughts on the first half and just, you know, the slump here as well? Yeah, I'd accept that that Hunter against Seattle, right? Or some of them, you know, those West Coast teams, you know, see a ton. I don't like that against Washington. Uh, I think that like, no matter what the situation is, you know, you have to be up for a divisional opponent that is, you know, a handful of points off of you in the standings and not playing particularly well, right? Let's be honest. I mean, I think was talking to a couple of caps faithful on Twitter that were expecting to lose that game six to one. Um, just joking with me beforehand, like that's how poorly the caps are playing. And I think the penguins made the capitals for great portions of that game look way better than they are way better than they are. So it's a consistency thing for me. You know, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, the team is good enough that they could play for 25 minutes and win, right? They, they could be that good in that window of 25 minutes that they're unbeatable almost then no matter what they do for the rest of the night. Um, but sometimes, again, that doesn't always work. Playing 25 minutes, sometimes you're, you're, you don't get away with it, right? And I think that's the consistency aspect to it is what is sort of baffling to me because I think they're good. I think they're a good team, proven they're a good team. They're, um, you know, peripherally, you know, metrically speaking, you know, on the outside of the, the upper tier of cup contenders. So I think of like, you look at that upper echelon of cup to contenders, the Penguins are at the bottom of it. Um, but, I, you know, that's all well and good. And it's a veteran team that knows the difference between, you know, a game on Valentine's day and a game on, you know, tax season, you know, there's, there's a, a discernible difference there, but it's a habitual thing for me. And I don't like that some of the habits that get formed. I know it's probably driving Mike Sullivan crazy, uh, but I think it's just as easy as closing things out and playing a full 60. Um, they let their foot off the gas. They get away from the system. Um, this system is super effective and it works great. Uh, when you have the tempo, when you have the forecheck, when you're up ice and you're harassing their team, the moment you take that element out of it, it's, you know, it's like mashed potatoes. It's plain mashed potatoes. It doesn't work. It's just, it's bland, you know, and that's, I think that's the element that's been missing is that up tempo, keep the foot on the gas for a full 60. And it's hard to get buy-in for that. You know, it's an exhausting system to play. I know it's probably demanding on the players. Um, but I think that, you know, you got to find a way to stay engaged for the full, the full gamut of the game. Yeah, I know. I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, the Washington game, you know, they, 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 they made their worst looking power play actually look competent, which was really weird because <clears throat> I saw a stat coming into this week. I think this was from Japer's rank of SB Nation. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, their power play, I think, was five for their last 58 going yeah. this week um and they made that power play look like it was one of the top five best in the league and it's like it's weird because the pk has been playing so well <clears throat> i don't know what is going on with my coughing today but um it, it was just it, i didn't really understand that you know you look at their lineup as well in that game their bottom three lines were not good i mean nicholas backstrom is still a great player i think 
Lars Eller is not bad. But outside of that, they didn't really have any offensive threats there. And, you know, they had that really horrendous turnover on the power play with Crystal Tang, which I think has been creeping up in his game a little bit, even though he's had a fantastic season. Um, the rest of that, though, I thought they took it to Washington. It was just unfortunate, Jesse, that they got goalied. Um, yeah. Ilya Samsonov, who's been really bad, I think. Well, I shouldn't say really bad. He's been up and down for most of the season. You know, he was way up. Mostly below the line. Mostly below the line. And, you know, that's the reason probably why they're looking at Marc-Andre Fleury, but he's going to probably do the heel turn and say, I'm not going to play for you. because We'll see what happens with that. I mean, that'd certainly be interesting. The Capitals themselves, I mean, so the goaltending is an issue, right? It's on a slide, but they've also scored above expectation all year long. That can't last forever. You know, you, that, that, there's only so much water in that well. And, and I get like having Ovechkin is partially responsible for that because he's, you know, the best goal scorer of all time and has just been on fire this year um, and is probably personally responsible for at least half the goals above expectations they've <laughs> scored. Um, but again, like I just don't rely on that all year. So it's, 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 you know, there's concern there to note that like A, your goaltending is on a slide and then B, how long can you sustain this unsustain- seemingly unsustainable shooting percentage? Um, or do you think we're actually kind of seeing the answer to that question right now? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still think that, uh, you know, to go back to your PK point, I mean, it's just, it, the penalty kill is driven by the same thing the, the five-on-five system is driven by, right? No difference at all. Um, you got to be aggressive. You got to be attacking the puck. Um, and I think the moment you take that element out, you just immediately become susceptible to uh, having lanes opened up on you. Yeah, and, you know, I was noticing with their PK, you know, I thought they were being a lot more passive against the Capitals' power play, which, I mean, I understand Ovechkin is probably the greatest goal scorer of all time, and he's having a heart trophy caliber season. But I was noticing Boyle, when he's usually up there causing all the havoc, I think, between whoever's up there, he was playing a lot further back than normal, which I was like, okay, that doesn't look like Mike Bellucci's system. And it it was almost like a five-on-three and a half there because I'm like – you're giving yeah. – because I think John Carlson was coming down way further than where he normally is at the point. I'm like, okay, this is not a five-on-three right now. Why is he this close, you know, to like a medium or close to a high-dangerous swing chance? I didn't really know why the Penguins were playing it like that, which was interesting. Yeah, it's just a miss. I mean, that's it. Like, you know, the, the Penguins are in a diamond structure on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. And other than the person that's the base of that diamond, the person in front of the net, you know, responsible for taking care of that crease area – those other three pieces of that diamond are designed to jut out and attack, right? So left, right, top, you know, wherever the puck is, go get it. Uh, There's no internal timer here. Like there's no, like a lot of teams will say like once possession is established, change your tempo, do this, do that. It's like go all the time, right? Go all the time. And then that element's not there. You become susceptible. Um, You know, the idea is to take the time and space away from the other team to force them to make quick decisions that they're not comfortable with. Um, you know, it's, it's a, akin to, you know, getting pressure on a quarterback before the receiver's done with their route and hasn't even turned around yet, you know, for the ball. It's, it's, you're doing the same thing. And if you don't have that, you know, that, that if it's not there that night and the tempo's not there and the legs aren't there, you get picked apart, right? You're, now you're just, you know, you're not forechecking, you're not putting that pressure on. And if the top of that diamond, like in your, like in your point, Boyle would be the man all the way at the tip. If he's not up there causing that havoc and disrupting uh, that flow, you know, you're just, you're standing and taking, it's, it's no different than having a cone on the ice with a stick, you know, like the cardboard Orpic from back in the day, because (laughs) you're just, you're taking up space, you know, and, and players are so good at dish passing, you know, the lanes are opening and closing behind you that you can't even see. You've got players in motion on both sides of the ice. You know, if you're not just pressing and getting your stick up there and being a nuisance, you're, you're just, you know, you're allowing people to sit back and pick you apart. Um, and that happens at even strength too. So it's, it's both. It's not just the penalty kill. It happens at even strength uh, just as much. And I think, you know, I always say that, you know, the penguin system, when it's good, it's, it's, it's about attrition and you force by the third period, of a up-tempo style game against the Penguins, you're seeing ghosts. You're in the defensive zone and like, you're like, uh, like I, you could feel the pressure even if it's not there, right? And it wears on you over the course of a night. Um, but if, you're, if you don't have it, you're just giving the other team an opportunity to pick their head up and either skate it out with a lane or make a, a pass for his own entry. And, you know, those are the worst kind of, of things to let up. Um, you know, you're, you're inviting pressure basically. Yeah, and I think that the PK, it's definitely been a little 
it used to be number one. Now it's number two. Last I checked, you know, they've been giving up a little more than they usually have lately. And I think it's due to them not being um, as aggressive and taking away some of those passing lanes. Um, and also I think it's due to um, John Marino. I'll get to him in a little bit with him and with his net front play. Um, speaking of the other special teams unit though, Jesse, I mean, wow. Uh, complete 180 from where they started for the season. I know Evgeny Malkin was not there. Um, Sidney Crosby had to miss a good chunk just, you know, due to COVID, um, a couple of other stuff. But, you know, ever since Gino has come back, you know, since January 1st, they are they were tied for the league league lead with 16 power play goals with the Colorado Avalanche. And they've been just a machine lately. Um, they're going to be hard to beat, I think, in the playoffs. But um, I think with that one, I'll get your thoughts on this as well. I really noticed that their zone entries seem to be – so much cleaner. Um, I know the drop pass, what they normally do. Um, you know, Sid has been able to carry it into the zone a lot easier. Um, and then they were able to set it up. I know Chris Tang has had, you know, the, the turnovers at times, but, you know, they still haven't given up a lot of shorthanded goals this year. But, you know, having Malkin back on that right half wall, it works so well because, you know, now they have – now everyone – now the opposition has to account for him with his Geno bombs, and it's not just Sid down low and then Latang up high or, you know, wherever they want. And you have to deal with Gensel in the slot because he can pick you apart from wherever. Um, you know, this, this unit, I think, is becoming a problem for the league with how they're getting to the high-danger areas and finishing. Um, just what, what have you been seeing with the power play? Just what, what, is it, what has basically been making it just go full steam ahead lately? Yeah, so first of all, I mean, you you nailed it with with Malkin and and just needing to respect that shot. I mean, um, the bomb is real, um, and he unleashes it with a great deal of regularity. I I think that you know he's an underrated puck distributor too. Forget the zone entry stuff. Um, I think just his ability to um, effectively distribute the puck to teammates, um, you know, to create chances all over the place. Um, yeah, that that's you know. Um, a critical part to his game. Um, Jake Gensel, um, among some of the elite players in this league uh, with regards to his ability to, to create high danger passes at um, five on four play, uh, the data from um, Corey, the shutdown line data, the all three zones data uh, is, is really friendly to him. Um, not only in, in, you know, his setups, but just the raw number of shots that he takes on the power play. Um, he's up there with, you know, I mean, there's just some major uh, heavy hitters uh, that are surrounding him. Um, uh, you know, Kaprizovs and Kuznetsovs and, you know, a lot of traditional, you know, really good, I think, power play guys. But I, I think he, he also is really the straw that stirs the drink. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the sort of umbrella style that they play on is about lanes. And I think it's about puck distribution and being able to go side to side for a one-timer, you know, being able to utilize whoever it is you have in the, in the middle of the ice in the slot. Um, you know, they don't take a lot of shots from the point, which I actually think is great. And it minimizes some of that shorthanded opportunity against. Um, uh, I think that, you know, Chris Letang in particular has been pretty good about taking some off of his shot this year. Um, I mentioned a couple of times, I think on Twitter that he's, you know, if you notice, I think he's hitting the net with a lot more regularity this season and he's giving you little quarter or one eighth slappers really, um, where he's not winding up all the way and more looking for a deflection or a pass off the pad. Uh, I just think it's more controlled. At the end of the day, this thing only goes bad. It really only goes bad when everybody stays stagnant. When you get all five people staying in the one, in one spot with no movement, um, it, they could get bullied. They just get bullied around and shoved up the ice, essentially, right? And that's what happens. So I think for me, you know, as long as they have their feet moving and there's the, the parts are, you know, they're switching occurring and, um, you know, the, the puck cycling, they're in good shape. Yeah, and I just think, you know, for the, the last month, I mean, they've been doing all that. And, you know, they've been also finishing their chances. I think Brian Rust has a lot to do with that. You know, I know, you know, I was of the opinion, I think, for a little bit that Rodriguez could have taken his place. Well, you know, it's funny how Rod Rodriguez goes cold and then Rust just gets really hot. And now, you know, we're kind of discussing what the heck we're going to do with this player because he's his contract's up after this year. And it's, it's a big discussion. I'm going to get your thoughts on that um, later on this episode. We still have a lot more to get to, including, again, the play of John Marino. Um, of course, some Jake, more Jake Ensel talk because what he's doing, I think, is ridiculous as well. And I think we'll go into a couple of fun topics as well. Just, you know, it's never too early, to, I think, to talk about, you know, potential playoff opponents. But, you know, yeah. we'll get to that a little later on because the East is basically, I think, locked up at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of parody 
especially with the Islanders uh, losing last night. That was, um, I think, I think they're cooked at this point. Um, yeah. Um, but before we do that, though, BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs with the Super Bowl coming up in just a couple of weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. They have pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, etc. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter, LO underscore Penguins. So, Jesse, you know, I think the big elephant in the room for a lot of people in the Penguins fan base, whether, you know, I see it on social media and I listen to, you know, some radio or podcasts or anything like that. Um, and, yes, I do listen to other podcasts than my own. If I listen to my own podcast, that just makes me look like a weirdo. Um, but, you know, John Marino, Jesse, um, I, I think this is this is my strictly my opinion. I think this is the worst hockey I think I've seen him play. Um, this, he's not anywhere close to where he was during his rookie season. Last year, I think he was okay. You know, he played with Pedersen. The underlying numbers were pretty good, especially defensively. I think that was basically their shot suppression period where they could put out there against any opposition and they would get the job done. This year, it's been anything but that. Pedersen has been really good. But it's been Marino that's really struggling. His offense is not there. His play in front of the net. You know, a lot of people roasted Pedersen for that. Never really understood where that came from because he was always, always pretty decent in front of his net. But it's Marino, I think, where their criticism, criticism is warranted. I've seen people call him soft. And I hate throwing that term around just because of, you know, old-time hockey and stuff like that. But I do think that kind of applies to him at times because he is a bit weak in, in those areas. And I just think also defensively in other spots, you know, he just, he makes the wrong read a lot more now, you know, what have you been noticing and, you know, how can Marino fix this? Because Jesse, five more years at 4.4 million per, I mean, if he keeps this up, that's, that's going to look like a bad contract. Yeah. I'm going to defend him a little bit though. Um, Some stuff like, and I'm having a hard time myself, I think reconciling some of the data points with the eye test. Cause I, I think he's sort of inherited a little bit of that glaring mistake syndrome where a lot of the stuff that like when he gets caught out of position in front of the net um, or he's not tying somebody up or you see him kind of like floating around out there. We remember that, right? We talk about it. It's glaring, Um, but he's doing so many other good things behind the scenes that it almost like, I don't know that their mistakes are as frequent as we might think they are um, based on what we see. So like, couple points I was looking up this week um, and just overall, right? So like numbers wise, I think from a shot, expected goals, scoring chance perspective, everything's very normal for him. It's like almost like he's the baseline, you know, relative to the rest of the team, he's not plus or minus in, in any one extreme area. It's kind of just like, he's almost like your baseline average. You know, everybody's, everybody's playing off of him. I think micro data wise, um, is where he shines in puck movement specifically. Um, it's really difficult for players to gain the blue line against him forwards. He's been unbelievable this year at maintaining his business on the blue line with gap control and preventing z- zone entries is really what I'm saying. It's not a player. He's forcing a lot of dumps. Okay, now let's take that to the next level because forcing a lot of dumps, that you, you generally prefer that. But he's also retrieving those dumps successfully and turning them into zone exits better than anyone on the team. So not only is he forcing the other team to dump the puck in on him, he's then retrieving the dump, turning around, and making a play to a forward at a high rate. We don't talk, we don't talk about this stuff because we don't see it. We see it, but like, it's not as standout-ish as like, completely floating around in front of the creeks and not marking anyone. <laughs> Like, if you see two things in a game, you're more than likely going to talk – all of us are more than likely going to talk about that one, the, sure. the total whiff there. So I think the data suggests he's got to be better in front of his own net. Agree with – 100% agree with that. Um, but I think from a breakout perspective, generating offense off his stick, getting the puck out to people who can generate the offense, and just sort of like being a custodian of the blue line, um, I think both the data and the eye test say probably setting the – arguably setting the bar there on the team, like outpacing Latang in a lot of these metrics uh, in terms of zone exits. So there's value there, right? With the reconcile it with the areas he's not been great in, 
I think it all comes down. And I asked people on Twitter, I said, like, how many, what's your, what's your John Marino grade? You know, um, where are you at on him, you know, performance wise. And a lot of people are like, yo, honestly, see, like that's about where I'm at. Like I gave him that. I think I think I gave him like a C or a D. I, I might have been being a little too hard on him. I just like I think I just noticed. No, well, I don't know that you are though, because like I, your criticisms are valid, right? Okay. So I don't think you're you're not barking up a tree out of nowhere. Like these are all things that are that are actually taking place and happening, right? We know that for sure. Um, I think overall, um, th- there are more things that he does peripherally that we don't, we collectively don't notice um than things that you know he kind of um you know then the then the opposite is what i'm getting at so i think that there's a marino effect at play here um in both directions that kind of equal his performance out on both sides of the scale there's a lot of good there's some not so good and i think at the end of the day you know all things are kind of equal yeah, and and the, and the thing is, you know, I know the talent is there. We saw it his rookie season. He was probably going to be close to a Calder Trophy finalist had he not broken his cheekbone last year. Got close to back to that level. Was playing pretty well, and then this year, you know, just I think a C grade for him is fine. Like I said, that's probably what I voted for. I think I've also probably just noticed maybe the negative more than some of the positive, just because you know maybe I know I'm not noticing you know some of those positive you know zone zone exits and. Force, always forcing the opposition to dump it in as much as I would like. So I'm probably going to train myself to keep an eye on that more, you know, now, now, of course, that you mentioned that with how he's been really good. But, like, if you look at who he's playing with, I think that the coaching staff, you know, pretty much for, them, for the most part, Hunter's done a good job of balancing his strengths with his weaknesses in terms of who he's playing with, right? I really do think that there's been um, – yeah, that's been a good, a good balance that they've had to strike. Yeah. Um, so I think overall, you know, as long as I think you can keep him, you know, alongside somebody who's maybe their strength isn't moving the puck as much, right? Maybe they're not as great at that and they need some help there. Maybe they're a little bit better defensively. Um, you know, that I think that works. I think, you know, he supports offense well, maybe not generating it as much as we'd like. I think I looked it up on Jay Fresh um, the other day, and I don't know how much it's changed since I saw it, but he was he was – well within the bottom third of the league among defensemen in terms of his even strength offense, but then was in the top third of the league defensively. So I think, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because the, like, I think the data suggests, you know, he would be good offensively based on how many zone entries he, he you know, he, how many times he's getting the puck out of his own end. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe his individual performance has been that bad. I don't know. I'm still talking now and cutting you off. That's how much there is to this. Like, I feel like it's an onion. So every time you find something that you like, oh, wow, he's really good at this. When you're peeling the rest of the layers, you're like, oh, this sucks. You know, <laughs> so it's like, I don't know how you reconcile it at the end of the day. He's a weird one, I think, to evaluate. You know, some people will think maybe he's like a mini Brian Dumoulin in a way, because Brian Dumoulin doesn't have a lot of offense as well. I mean, he's mostly right. for his defensive ability. He'll contribute a goal every now and then. And usually it's in a pretty big game in a pretty big spot, knowing him. But, you know, with Marino, the one thing I wanted to see from him, you know, Jesse, is to get his offensive game at the next level. And now we're in year three. And, you know, I'm not really seeing that as much from him at the blue line. I feel like, on the, like when he runs the second power play as well, right? Yeah, that's been the big thing is that he's been that's, a net, a net yeah. negative to me on the power play. Yeah. Just not, not enough. Yeah. yeah. I just don't know why they're not putting Mike Matheson, who was probably having the best season of his life um, with the Penguins, on that unit just because, I mean, A, he's a one-man breakout. I mean, the zone exits and the zone entries I see on an every-night basis for him are just ridiculous at this point. I mean, he right. knifed through three guys, and it's nothing. Um, and two, you know, Marino, he just doesn't have that big of a shot, I don't think, from the point. And it's just – I think it's a step slow with making decisions, <clears throat> I think, as well. So, again, man, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on that with, with John down the stretch. I Hopefully this break for him will, you know, do him some wonders. Another player, though, Jesse, um, that's, you know, I guess in the doghouse a little bit before I get to Jake Ensel's stuff, um, we got to talk about Kasperi Kapanen here. Um, You know, I think I've run out of things to say about him on this podcast in the last month or two. Um, I kind of was maybe – I was pretty harsh on him after the game on the other night just because I think he was almost solely responsible for that gaffe in overtime where the Penguins do not see the puck again, has no pressure at the point with the puck about a buck 30 left. 
fires it for no reason. Washington has the puck for the last 45 seconds, and then Dmitry Orlov goes around to score the game winner. Um, I think, to me, man, that reeks of someone that does not have any confidence right now, and he has not had any confidence in his game all year. Um, what do you do at this point with him? I mean, do you keep him in? Do you, God forbid, trade him at the deadline? I mean, I just don't know what's going on because, you know, I know he was helped out by a really high shooting percentage last year. It was actually a career high for him, I believe. This year it's come down, even though his his, his underlyings are not terrible. But um, every time I see him on the ice coming into the zone, um, just – pulls up, stops, and dumps the puck in. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's a, I have to go back to, like, uh, you know, the criticism of him coming out of Toronto, which was he mm-hmm. couldn't think the game at a high level and struggled to keep up with some of the more talented players uh, in the top end of the Toronto lineup. And I guess now, like, has that changed? No. No, probably not, right? Like, it's the same. It's kind of the same. So um, that's that's – that's it is that I think there's a lack of creativity. I think that, you know, they can't put him with Crosby. They just can't, you know, um, you know, he, he, uh, I don't think that would mesh. You know, I think Sid thinks the game at a level that is just, you know, miles beyond, um, I think, you know, he's, you got it. I think you gotta, I don't know what the market is here. Like what, what, who's clamoring for him? You know, what's, who's even interested at this point? Like what, what team is out there? Like, looking to take on and he's three and a half what no 3.2 mil going into restricted free agency right so um it's not like you know you could there, there you could the, the number he's not going to get a, a super friendly deal in restricted free agency like if he goes to arbitration or something it's not like the numbers don't justify that so i um you know if you're looking to if you're looking to go get a backup goalie um and you need that space that's one place i'm looking for sure um, as I just don't think there's been any level of, you know, impact, um, from him, you know, in the, in the, in the day-to-day function of the team, I don't think taking him out of the lineup, you know, generally changes, uh, your outcomes much. Yeah. I mean, and I know they were hoping to put him back with Gino and recreate that magic from last year where they were just a great dynamic duo. And, you know, for, you know, they, they tried when he, he came back this year, Hasn't worked. I mean, Mike Selvin played him about last week, eight minutes on the fourth line. That didn't work either. I mean, I think right now he's just probably thinking to himself he might be out of options just because, you know, whatever he's doing right now is turning to – it's just it's, it's just turning bad, um, I think is the way to say I was trying to come up with another word. It wasn't coming to me. But um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it, it just – it stinks that it, it got to this point because, you know, I, 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 like, I like him as a player. Um he seems to love Pittsburgh. He loves playing for the Penguins, but you know, for whatever reason, it's just it's it's not working out. So they're gonna have to figure that out. I think looked great in camp too. I think right, like looked great in the preseason. Um, looked great in camp. Um, looked very promising. I think in those circumstances, but um, yeah, hasn't uh, hasn't worked out. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree there. But um, a couple other players, Jesse, though, that played really well this year, um, Chris Letang, who. I've said this many times on the pod. If it weren't for Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, and Victor Hedman, and maybe even Roman Yossi, he'd probably be a Norris finalist this year. Um, Jake Ensel, who um, continues to, you know, I think defy gravity um, almost at this point with how he's been able to score um, uh, almost on a gamely basis. And now Brian Rust as well, who is well over a point per game. Um, You know, I I think I'll start with Rust, you know, before, you know, getting to a couple other players, you know, going into the final segment. Um, Jesse, this is this is a tough decision. I mean, guys are free agent. They still got Crystal Tang and Evgeny Malkin to sign, and those two take precedence over Brian Russ. And I know how important he is to the team, but um, I, I just don't know how they're going to make that work. I mean, at this point, he's probably asking for at least five times six. <sighs> to me, man, I, I think I, I have a hard time paying that just because I know what happens to those kind of players after the age of thirty, and it doesn't end well sometimes, and it just – it scares me because, you know, what if there is a fall-off? Yeah, fair. Fair concern. Um, Great player, though, don't get me wrong, and I would love to keep him, but, I mean, he's asking – he's going to probably ask for at least six, and honestly, Jesse, I think he might ask for six and a half to seven. Yeah, I mean, result – I mean, people will pay him that, right? 
I mean, he'll get it. I don't have any question about that. He would get it. On the open market. Yeah. Edmonton pay him that. (laughs) After they, 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 they they cut everybody and start their rebuild all over again this year in the off season, they'll, they'll go out and give Brian Rust eight mil um, for nine years. And that'll be his, uh, that'll be what sets him, sets him up for life. We'll trade McDavid and Drysaddle for. Yeah. Um, I, I, you, you have to at least try to find a way to make this happen. Right. Like, uh, longevity wise, he's been doing this for years now. So this isn't not a flash in the pan situation. The guy has figured it out. Like he knows, um, you know, how to, when to carry the puck and to be effective, how to do it. Um, there's one player on this team that, uh, cycles the puck statistically again, off the shutdown line data better than him, Sidney Crosby, no surprise. Uh, it's, that's your list. Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust and everybody else. Uh, you know, I think he, he's a great fit for the system or any, any system that plays a, a fast, up-tempo style game that can put him on the front foot. He he and Evan Rodriguez share a lot of similarities in how they sort of like found it in its terms of like, if I carry the puck more and I'm on my front foot more, I have more opportunity. So something to consider, um, you know, but you're, you look, this is a crazy, crazy, crazy league with money. Um, you know, the owners will constantly, constantly cry and bemoan situations that they themselves have put themselves in right like they no one is responsible for these decisions but them right and um you know they're gonna throw the money around so pandemic or not a player like that gets paid you'd love i you know you have to think i have no there's no inside scoop here you have to think like he's partial to want to stay right like given the, the winning that he's done here this is where he's was drafted. I mean, this has been his, been his whole career here. You would have to think that his, his started a family here, started a family, became a dad. You'd have to think he'd want to stay. Uh, names like Kapanen, Zucker, coming off of the books and get you closer to this as a possibility, right? But what you can't do, Hunt, you can't go out and pay Crystal Tang $6 million a year and keep Brian Rust, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how much truth there is that report. I don't know if that's even accurate, right? That, that, that Latang is looking for a raise or whatever it is. You know, Josh reported that he'd heard that in the athletic. Um, but you, the, what I'm saying is the pathway is there because you already got some names that you're probably going to be jettisoning off the books that are taking a big chunk of change up off of you. With some creativity, you could make it work. Is it going to make you a little more top heavy? Probably. But the fact that you've got like guys like Heinen and McGinn and some of these other players on really cheap deals. You've got young players that are coming up that you probably ought to give a shot to that are going to have to fill out your bottom six on, on lower cost deals. Uh, my point is, is it can happen. And I, I hope it does. Uh, I think he's one of the better forwards in the national hockey league point blank, full stop period. Uh, and you try to keep guys like that. I would love to, don't get me wrong, you know, but you know, gun to my head, if you're making me choose between paying Brian Rust and, Crystal Tang, I mean, I'm taking the number one D-man, I think, every day of the week just because if he's out. Depends on the t- – t- I, I got to do it at the right cost. I got to do it at the right cost. Yeah. I think you got to be fair because, you know, Latang, I think – I get his point. If, 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 if what that report says is true, you have a guy who's at the end of his year and is looking to make good on his ability and what he is. Probably, this will be his final contract, I would think. Outside of a team giving him a one-year deal – to come back and play in some capacity, you know, a la Sergei Gonchar, right? Like late in his career in Dallas. Sure, maybe, right? Like that's possible. I could see that. This is the last one he'll get paid on, Hunter. This is the last one he'll get paid on. So, you know, the Penguins are just in absolutely no position to do that. And I don't know that he's in a much of a position to demand it, you know, given the fact that they have Pierre Olivia Joseph, who, um, you know, they, they feel very good about and they think could step in and move pucks like crazy. So um, we'll see. It's got to be fair. It's got to be fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've thrown out, you know, out there, you know, five times, you know, seven something for Latang, four times seven, you know, four times eight, if they wanted to, though, that, that would be, it's tough because I see the pros and cons to it. Eight million with where he has age wise, he can fall off anytime. Right. I mean, but this is also, I think one of the most conditioned hockey players in the league and someone who, is a freak during the off season. So, I mean, I personally think he would be okay. And I mean, I would still rather pay him and Gino than let Russ walk because I mean, there is a good free agent class out there. That's the thing, but will they have money for that? Probably not. 
I mean, no. yeah, probably not. People, no. people been throwing out a lot of names out there that are supposed to hit the market. I'm like, you people don't realize that the Penguins, when was the last time they were really involved in a free agent class? I mean, Jim Rutherford was here for however many years and he didn't really, outside of the stupid Jack Johnson deal, he didn't really do too much in free agency. Okay. Maybe Matt Hunwick, but you know, whatever, but he didn't really go out and sign a big fish. Um, I guess is the point I'm trying to make. And I don't think Ron Hextall would do that um, either, but you know, for, um, we still have a lot more to get to for our next day. We're going to go into the discussion about Jake Ensel, of course, um, Chris Tang season, and of course, a couple of other things as well. But before we do that, you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why should you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain, steel, chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You can go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car truck and write Locked On in their hard-to-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That is rockauto.com. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter, LO underscore Penguins. So, Jesse, you know, as I alluded to, Jake Gensel, um, he's been a freak this year. Um, I'll always say this. You, you give him the smallest t- bit of space. Good night, Irene. Uh, you, you, you're, you're cooked. Um, you don't even need to give it to him. He'll find it. He'll take it from you. You know, I think that's the big thing. Yeah. Um, he's like a poltergeist in the <laughs> sense that, like, you know, you – he's just a ghost you can't see him and he loses himself in the flow of the play and like the lanes he, he goes the reverse direction of everyone else so much that you're not paying attention if you're a defenseman you know your job's paying the foot you're not paying attention to the guy that's skating away from you the opposite way you know but he's looping around to come back in unseen and strike and um his dad's a coach man that's really it like there's not a whole lot else that I think you could say about Jake Gensel other than his dad is a really good hockey coach. And it shows that I think he spent all of his life probably absorbing information from his dad. Um, and, and man, does it like, it comes through on the ice because all of this stuff is like, it's just a coach's dream. You know, you want players that do this kind of thing and, and not to take credit away from Jake. Um, but I feel like that influence plays such a big role on the way that he plays the game. Cause it really is so sneaky and he's never, you know, dating all the way back to, you know, where he came from, he's never been the biggest player on the ice. You know, he's always been a little smaller, a little undersized, and has had to find creative ways to get, you know, to get to that space. So I think that in and of itself prevents a whole nother, whole nother aspect to it. Yeah. And you wrote in your piece how, you know, you, you dived into the video. And I think the one that really stood out to me was the goal in Edmonton where, you know, he, he's right out the face off dot almost to the left goes to the other side to set himself up. No one even knows that he's over there. Pass to him. Oh, you're done. Good night. And then he, he just does that so consistently now. And, you know, teams are just, they're not figuring it out. And, you know, right now, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 40 again this year. I mean, he probably will with how he's going. Um, he's on one of the best contracts in hockey. Um, he's just a perfect fit with Sid. You know, if I, he, I have to mention, Hunter, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Before I forget this, because I'll forget it. No if you think... Remember, there was a there was a time, and I'm gonna call. I'm not gonna call anyone out by name. There was a time at the beginning of the season where a lot of people were like, "Where's Gensel? At? He's not scoring." Blah blah blah. And I, we all, a lot of us kept saying, "You and me both, that he's drowning in scoring chances. He's drowning in them, and it's it's gonna be a matter of time." Russian baby. It comes to, and and if you remember the goal that did it, Florida, behind the net, threw it from behind the net off the pads and in from the back, Boston's and that. And that was the goal that started the whole thing. And I, and the point I was trying to make in that in my piece, and I, I probably could have spent more time on this, is that's why when you score 40 goals, that sticks with you forever. It never goes away. People will always refer to you as a 40 goal scorer. And when you hear things like when you when people when you, you see someone do something and it's like, oh, that's a 40 goal scorer. That, that's a mark of a 40 goal scorer. That's the kind of stuff that people talk about is like the ability to just know I can behind the net. I have a lane to pass this off a goalie's pad and in from, from behind the net. Like that's a 40 goal scorer thing. So I never bet against him hitting 40 because he's got the tools to do it and he can score goals from circumstances that just nobody should have opportunities to score goals in. Well, Jesse, I always thought it was because he wasn't physical enough or. (laughs) I mean, I do think that that he he made that. 
you know, he did, he did make that a point like in the off season is I want to get like stronger and more durable, but I don't think that's the reason he's playing well. You know, I, I think it's more of the same for him. It's just, you know, the puck's going in, right. It's just, you can't, you can never, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, the one playoff series, he comes back after not playing for eight months because of a collarbone, right. Or whatever it was, he broke his, you know, uh, shoulder. And that was what it was. Yeah. And then, you know, the next year rate doesn't play well, five games. I, I, it's just such a small sample size. It's such a small sample size. Then you got people in the offseason saying to trade him for Matthew Kachuk, and it's just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I just, he, you know, they, he's one of the top, in my opinion, you know, easily in one of your top 10 pure goal scorers in the National I have League. Five, that's just me. Yeah, you can't, they don't grow on trees. Yeah. So you're giving it up. You better be able to go find it somewhere else. Yeah, I would agree with that you know he's not a product of Sidney Crosby that take is hogwash um he can do this with literally anyone and you know I'm glad to see you know I think um Jay Fresh um put up a like a graphic of just um how good he's been this year um with one of his players uh cards and um I, I'm glad that you know I think more more and more people are starting to take notice of how good he is and how just how good he's been ever since coming in to the NHL um, also, you know, before I forget, Jesse, you know, um, Chris Letang, is, what have you noticed from him this year? Because I think for me, this is the best hockey he's played since 2016. Um, he's at that level, if not a bit higher. I know their turnovers on the special teams have crept into his game a little bit. Um, you know, that's been the result of, I think, two goals in the last week, 10 days, if I recall correctly. Um, you know, I don't really like, I think that, I think that's just him being, you know, what he is. He's sometimes a high risk player. He sometimes tries to do more when he should do less, but, you know, he's a gifted player, so he's going to take a lot of risk at times. I get that. I think sometimes, you know, maybe he should keep it a little more simple, but, you know, a lot of other times this year, you know, he's always made the right read or the right play. So, um, you know, just what have you overall seen from him where it's like, wow, like this is – it's ridiculous that he's doing this, at, you know, in his mid-30s. Yeah, so I think it's like it's just a more tempered game, right? It's a little mm-hmm. bit more even keel. It's it's less risky. Um, you know, I think it's it's more in line with I think his what his relationship with Todd Reardon has been historically, um, and how the two of them have kind of performed. I think in sync with each other. Um, I think that like analytically speaking, um, and looking at the data, it's probably not as great as we've become you know used to peripherally. Um, but I still think that it's good. You know, it's, it's, it's really good. And, and a lot of people have said like, this is the best year he's had since, you know, I think since 2016 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a different, it's a different kind of good. I think we have to acknowledge that, right. It's just a little bit more level headed. It's, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, just the approach is more even keel. Right. I think mm-hmm. um, that's what a lot of people have been asking for um, is, is, you know, we'll, we'll take a sacrifice. I think, you know, in certain areas, for gains and others. Um, and, you know, defensively, I, I still think there's some concern some nights, you know, with the turnovers and, you know, the overtime situation with him has been precarious, I think, you know, in certain situations. But, um, you know, overall, I mean, he's putting in a performance that at his age um, is, you know, better than, you know, according to metrically better than 80% of his peers. Um, and that's saying something, I think, for you know, the, the environment of this league and how good these young defensemen are. I mean, it's, they're, they're good. There's a lot of good young defensemen in this league. Um, and, and, you know, he's not going to, he's not even going to sniff the Norris trophy this year as a result of that. Yeah, um, but, I, <laughs> but I think he's, he's been, um, he's exactly, he's been exactly what the Penguins have needed him to be, to be frank with you. I think he's, it's, it's been a perfect fit this year. Yeah. I mean, both ends of the rink um, as well. He, he can do it all. And, um, you know, if, if he were to leave after this offseason, it would sting. Um, they don't have anyone that can do what he does, um, point blank. That's the, that's the, the reality of the situation there. Um, a couple more for, for, for you here, Jesse. I almost screwed up my words there. Um, you know, it's crazy to me that the Eastern Conference is basically locked up. Um, Islanders got blown by Seattle last night. Um, I said it a few minutes ago that they look cooked. Um, that's a team that I think Barry Trotz has done a really good job with, but um, they're, they're going to have probably have a lot of changes, I think, coming this year just because of what's going on with them. Um, the Red Wings, good rebuild, but I think they're probably out of it um, right now. But um, when you look at this division, 
got four good teams, 55, 50 feet of crap, and then you got the other four teams where it's just like it's it's, it's not a, it's not they're not having a good time. Um, would you think the Penguins are the team to beat in the playoffs for this division? And because you know my, my mouth kind of waters at the fact that we could get a Penguins Hurricane series for the first time since two thousand nine. You know, and the storylines there would be endless. You know, not only would I hopefully get to go to a game since it's only two and a half hours away from here, but, you know, Rod Brindamore versus Mike Sullivan, Jordan Saul Revenge Series. You know, they're, they play very similar styles. They're, they're both built, I think, pretty similarly. Um, just what do you think overall when it comes to this division? You know, because it's probably going to be the four teams playing each other. Um, just who do you think has the edge to come out? I am always the kind of person who is going to be scared uh, and internally terrified uh, personally of really good goaltending. And for that reason, the New York Rangers uh, are a terrifying prospect because goaltending wise, Igor is. Um, Don't win the Vesna. Handily. Yeah. Uh, there's no goalie in the league better than him uh, with regards to high danger uh, shooting opportunities. Just not. Uh, and I hate that. Uh, if you're a Penguins fan, you're probably like, ugh. You know, ugh this is like, it's just that, you know, that's what's outed them, right? That's what's bounced them in the past is like good. The Rangers aren't very good defensively, uh, but teams that either have really good defense or really good goaltending, right? That's normally the kryptonite for the Penguins. So uh, that's it. The the I think that the Hurricanes, that, that would be, you know, certainly fun. Um, quite of like a more wide open fire wagon style series, probably with two teams that are really, really stern forechecking teams. Um, they're really, they share a lot of fundamentals, I think, in that sense. Um, but I, I spoke on the Capitals earlier, right? I, I just, I don't know, man. There's something over there about that. Yeah, I don't buy it. Um, I think they've outplayed um, their performance for a large part of the first half of the year. And it did, it did eventually finally come up and, and catch up with them a little bit. Um, so... Yeah, I mean Carolina is very good. I would go. I would go with them, right? Like as far as like a raw team, like a raw option as as far as who you probably want to avoid in that first round. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, like the Rangers are kind of in that same boat because they're goaltending. So Carolina is probably the better of the two teams. The Rangers, I'll take. I'll, I'll, I'll also mention just based on voodoo. <laughs> it, the the Rangers. It's funny because they they have some of the worst um, underlying numbers. Their expected yeah. goals per sixty is bottom five, below Ottawa. Their shot attempts for 60 for Corsi are well below bottom five as well. They are carried by him, a Norris Trophy defenseman, yep. a Hart Trophy contender in Artemi Panarin, a somehow 30-goal season from Chris Kreider, which came out of nowhere, and then Mika Zibanejad. The rest Pretty of that much. team is just – I mean, I don't mean to be rude here, but, you know, bad. Capo um, Caco struggled, like, you know. Left um, year, not yeah, to the hype. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a mixed bag, so. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I would. I would love to see though, like you said, a Carolina Pittsburgh series it would, uh, in it round would, two. Yeah, I think Washington. You know, the, you are right. They've outplayed. You know, most of like kind of like I guess their metrics so far. Though I just don't think that if they run into the playoffs with that goaltending, I don't think they're gonna get very think, far. Yeah, that's it. And that power play for that matter. Yeah, that's that's a bad unit. Um, do you overall do you see the Penguins? Through the first half of the season, going into the second half, the all the All Star game is this weekend. Do you see them as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? And if so, Jesse, do you think they need to do anything at the deadline to maybe solidify that even more? So yeah, I still think that they're at the the lower tier of the of the upper group of. <laughs> it sounds so weird to say that of the of the teams that are in it, like that I think have a legit shot. They're at the bottom of the barrel, like you know, to, yeah. To, to get there, I think they probably need a look. I would, I would love some more reliable forward depth, like with some experience to it, but more than anything, a backup goalie, because I think what you're seeing now from Tristan Jari is more burnout related than it is anything uh, else. He starts, he, he's looked gassed and he's given up goals that I haven't seen him give up this year. And so I'm not, yeah, I'm not worried about him if you can get him some help. And I'm also not, a, I'm not at all assuaged by Casey to Smith's last performance. I know it was really good, but that's just one. It's one performance. It's got it. There, there's, I need five, six, seven more of those before you, you know, you start to feel like the, the ship's been righted. You know what I mean? It's just, that's a flash in the pan. Yeah. I mean, he, he saved his job for a week. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, it's being nice. 
um, that glove save. It's uh, it's funny that because that's probably the save of the year for all both all oh, the absolutely. Yep. It's crazy that Tristan Jari does not have the save of the year, even though he's played like a Vesna finalist. Um, and you know, I, I guess I'll also end with that, Jesse. You know, I think right now he he should be a Vesna finalist with how he's played. I mean, no one in their wildest dreams would have predicted him to play like this. I mean, you know, I was someone who was potentially ready to move on after that Islander series. You know, he comes back. Obviously, I think Andy Kyoto has had a lot of help um, with this, but, you know, he's been more aggressive and, you know, this is just a completely different goaltender. And I think I, I definitely agree with you that these last few starts of the last week, we can have, he's gassed. Um, you know, he's given up goals that he hasn't given up all year. It's definitely, I think more fatigue um, and he hasn't had it. And, you know, he's allowed to have some of those starts. All goalies do freaking Andre Vasilevsky. who's probably a top five player in the league. He has those at times. It's it's fine. He, I think he's the only goalie that started more than Tristan um, this year. So um, I, I definitely think they do need to get him some help. And just overall, man, what a season he's had. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the option, not the option, but the the opportunity for him to fall flat on his face from what happened last season was was there, right? A hundred percent was there. Um, I think a lot of people almost expected it. Like it's almost like. You know, this, you know, uh, there was no question that that was what was going to happen. So, um, I mean, it, you can't be anything but encouraged. I know a lot of people have said, like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it in the playoffs, and they said, et cetera. Like, I understand that. I respect it, right? That's, I get it. Um, I think just like overall, like, you know, don't miss out on good stuff happening right now, right? Like, this is an exciting run. Enjoy it. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of good stuff to, a lot of good stuff happening right now. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Jesse, the big test will be come playoff time. You know, will he get over those demons? And um, that's, I think, where you really write your redemption story. Um, 100%. And you show, you show the fan base that this is over. And, you know, I'm going to play the same way I have in the regular season. I'm going to give my team a chance to win. Um, but, Jesse, I think that will probably do it for this episode. I mean, again, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I think our backup goalie options, at least, you know, be funny if they got Halak or Braden Holpe, just because it would piss off a lot of the, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of the other yeah. fan bases. And, you know, I don't have to hear the Holpe chance every time he gives up one goal. So um, that would be kind of interesting there. Yeah. But again, man, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, if, if anyone is somehow not following you on social media, please, please plug that in here and, you know, just share what you got coming up. Yes. Yeah, at J Marshall on the Twitter machine. Um, and then coming up, I think, what we're going to do next is really try to, I keep talking about like my barometer for the penguins being you know, the first 10 minutes of a game, like whether or not you can really tell whether they're in it or um, you know, the four check test. I want to like actually explain what that looks like. And we're going to give examples of like, here's where it's good and here's where it stinks. And then hopefully that'll help people with their own barometers. <laughs> the last game for sure. I was like, I, I even tweeted, I was like, well, they passed the four check vibe. Yeah. 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 Five vibe check. Yeah. Lost. yeah. The vibe yeah. check. Yeah. Yeah. It was the one against the Kings, I think. And, and that was the one I was like, yeah. No, no, no. no that was, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great yeah, the vibe check. We're going to have to start, all start tweeting that uh, during the start speech about Penguin game moving forward. But Hopefully this will help you. So. Absolutely. So again, man, really appreciate it. And I'll be back with another episode on Friday. Go follow Jesse on the social media and you know, look for his piece coming up as well.